Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, I have Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, I should be more happy considering we're, you know, coming headed to the conference playoffs or conference finals tomorrow. But uh, I'm also leaving Hawaii tomorrow, so then again, it's a little bit bittersweet. So, yeah, yeah, uh, you've been you've been assaulting all of us with all of your Hawaiian delicacy. What'd you eat today that was noteworthy? Today, uh, a lot of masubi. So, oh. for those who don't know, rice, spam, seaweed, all all the best things. Well, there you go. Uh, anything else noteworthy that you've done in the past day or two that you want to share with the world, or do you want to no, just get into just this? Pretty, pretty much just hiking and thinking and watching, you know, just hiking and eating. I mean, that's that's kind of the best things to do here in Hawaii. So. Yeah, yeah. Did you were you up on the North Shore at all? Yeah, yeah, a couple of days ago. Did you go to Kahuku Grill and get a Paniolo burger? I didn't because they changed the name of it. So then I was really confused. Like they changed the restaurant changed names to like Seven Brothers or something like that. So now, because like, I wasn't oh. sure if it was the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I knew that, that same way. family had a couple restaurants on the mainland, but I didn't realize that they changed that one too. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well. Let's get into this thing, huh? Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, the match before we press record here, but Josh, what else have you seen in the past couple of days from that match that you feel like we missed or we need to to investigate a little bit more here? I mean, I think a couple of the bigger things was obviously the huge change in tactic from our the normal, you know, the normal the normal thing that we had been seeing all season long right i think one of the bigger criticisms that we'd heard lobbied from you know fans critics you know pundits whatever it be is that bob had been fairly inflexible i think is probably the one word that um you know that that was you that has been thrown around um but in this game came with a completely different game plan um the formation didn't change but again different different tactic you know, that really just invited Galaxy to take all the possession uh, with, again, which I don't think they were prepared for, especially given the lineup that they fielded, uh, you know, for the match with the four center backs and essentially fifth with, with Perry Kitchen, who's the mm-hmm. set as a midfielder, but it's really just in there to defend. So, you know, they were ready to, they were ready to batten down the hatches and just kind of wait for LFC's assault. But again, when, once we sat back a little bit more and, and they forced them to kind of play out, um, you know, play out with the ball. Then those lanes started to open up way more and, again, led to the chances that we got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think all of our goals were on at least quasi-counterattacks. Um, you know, we, we pick up a ball, we pick up a head, or that everybody picks up their heads, and it's two, three passes, and they're off, and the ball's in the back of the net. Um, so it was, it was really interesting to see LAFC flip the script there. Um, and to me, it's a bit refreshing as well to know that there's something else that we can do there, um, where the, you know, the wingers aren't always going to be forward and pressing, uh, possession all the way back, you know, up, up until the fullbacks and the center backs from the opposing team, they're just much more content to sit back and let the game come to them. Um, and then also allow them to have the numbers back to brackets Latan on 
just about every cross I saw, there were at least two people there. Jordan Harvey was there several times, um, not necessarily winning the headers, but always with an elbow in his back, um, which is something that we talked about in the last show, or I guess the preview show about those dark arts where you just, you just are a pest, right? You're just in his ear all night. Um, and always just throwing him off just a little bit, um, to, to keep him from doing what he does. And they were really effective. I mean, he gets the one goal, but that's really a, quite a fluky goal from start to finish with beta shore. I still think he's just trying to play the ball back to Miller and it goes and it gets deflected off of uh, Blackman. And then obviously the terrible save from, from Miller, but, uh, that's the only way. time he showed up. Yeah. That, yeah. That's fair. But I mean, other than the, uh, then the crotch grab, that's the only really noteworthy thing he did all night. Yeah. I mean, at, at a certain point, I, I expected it to see him running a little bit given the circumstances and those types of things. But, you know, it was one of those things where given the way that, um, LAFC were defending him, it was like one of those things where, I think he came down into the midfield like maybe one or two times in the first half, and then after after that he was really just sitting at you know just sitting off the shoulder of of one of the defenders and trying to make those runs. But I think the one thing like you're talking about with Jordan Harvey, it, it makes it a lot easier for him to do those types of things, knowing that both Segura, you know, and Blackman were going to come in behind and and clean everything up, right? Right. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Whereas usually he has to win, you know, like in the previous matches, he has to win a one-on-one duel. You know, mm-hmm. that was what our positioning and things had forced had forced from the defenders, and that that thing where against some of these target strikers, um, you know, we were f- forcing Harvey at what five ten, five eleven, if that, yeah, and Eddie Segura at five ten, five eleven, if that. <laughs> to win one-on-one duels with guys who are 6'3 mm-hmm. or 6'5 in Zlatan's case, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And so, again, when you're forced to do that and, you know, you just don't have the physical attributes, it becomes a lot more, um, you know, daunting of a, you know, of a, of a proposition to do that on a regular basis. Again, and again, someone who's world as world-class as Zlatan is, you know. Yeah. Right but now, when you have, you know, you have uh, Atuesta, who you know was the deepest position I've ever seen him this season, as well as both center backs, really just doing a lot of cleaning up um, after the fact. It may, you know, again, you can tell that it freed them up to do a lot more in terms of how they were going to defend um, against the Galaxy. Yeah, sounds like the Vogs got you, man. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, Atuesta I thought had a good game uh, one of my favorite plays from him in this match it didn't come off exactly right but uh, he hits a ball from deep that breaks the, uh, both midfield lines from the Galaxy and the back line as well and Rossi's running onto it and he takes a heavy touch around Bingham and can't quite catch up to the ball but the initial pass from Atuesta had to be about 45 yards on the ground really well weighted uh, and Rossi's able to get through uh, just in onto in onto Bingham by himself. And it's just a, it's a tough angle for him to take um, that touch around him. But um, 
I thought he looked good back there. I'm not sure what we'll see against Seattle. I, I imagine we'll get back to uh, a bit of our counter-pressing ways, but it's, again, just really satisfying to see them play not a different style completely, but just altered a little bit. The wingers sit back a little deeper, so sometimes it looks like a 4-2-3-1 almost, um, where they're back to help defend a little bit more. Um, especially Rossi, I felt like he was coming back much deeper to help uh, keep Pavone in check. Not that he's going to win all the balls from him, but just to just to crowd the space a little bit and, and keep him from creating too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things. If you if you look at it, they were very cognizant of whatever wherever he was. Early Antuna was the one that they were they were they basically said that we're we're going to allow you to have have the ball and and see what you can create. But you know, whenever whenever um, the ball went out to Bavone on that left hand side, you saw Beta Shore and usually Latif just come down in hard and try to mm-hmm. get the, get the ball out of out of his in off his feet as soon as possible. And so I think, like I said, it, it, it kind of goes back to that, you know, to bring an American football reference to that Bill Belichick, you know, method of thinking in a big game is we're going to take away your number one. And then if you can beat us with, you know, two and three or three and four, you know, then, you know, obviously then that's a good game from you. But again, you, you gotta, you have to be able to, you know, again, make those adjustments and those are things that the, the, the to be a, again a playoff winning team and a mm-hmm. match winning team, and again that's what I think the Galaxy didn't have after their Plan A and Plan Bs were really just taken away. They didn't have much beyond that, and, and at that point I think they gassed out trying to trying to keep up and and score at that pace. And you could see the way that Dio was cutting through in the second half. You know, they, I'm not sure how much they had left given given what they had to endure in the first. Yeah, I mean, not just Dio, but I mean, Rossi was just abusing them down that left flank. Uh, and eventually you see, I think it's Gonzalez that comes out for Felcher in like the 65th minute or something after we get that pair of goals and go up 4-2. Um, and that's when you see the change and they actually bring in a, a right back to challenge him. Um, Rodriguez was... Rodriguez looked really good down the down the flank too. I mean, his uh, his little cutback to set up the goal that he, I, I think he cuts it back, beats a few more defenders, and then plays to blessing, blessing back to Rodriguez. This is the infamous or now infamous uh, offside call, or rather non-offside call that uh, every, that the internet melted down over. And uh, Vela's second goal there. Um, I mean, maybe the referee couldn't see through the smoke. You know, apparently that was a thing too. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man, I, I I mean it is frustrating, and I, I understand it. If the tables were turned, I'd be pretty frustrated too. Um, but when you look at the camera angles, like that, you have to know that, like you're not getting the, a perfect picture of. Yeah. What the what the linesman is ideally seeing if they're properly positioned, which well, is my, they are positioned on the last defender looking straight across the field, and so they're and, and the camera is not in that position. So my question is: Is that not VAR in the same way that it is in in Europe, where it's like done by computer? I don't I don't think it is. <laughs> Because, I mean, point, everything that they say is clear and obvious. 
yeah so that clear that, and obvious thing right that you know that to me would actually be the more frustrating thing if i'm you know a team you know a fan that doesn't like lafc right is that yeah. you know i'm you know for for something like that right it, it should just be that's pretty you know like i'm not sure it's that's something that should be overturned overturnable it should just should just be or not um you know because again it's just a positioning thing right and so that that's why i'm not that's why like from that point of view like i can understand right like, i'm not sure that's why yeah. it's, a, it's a reviewable type of call as opposed to it just being like it's like is it like the goal line technology stuff where they bring in the thing and you are a one you know even if you're an inch offside you're offside right it, it is what it is right you know which is what i think you've seen in the premier league this past year so mm-hmm. you know i mean that to me that's probably how that should be officiated you know but again you know am i going to complain about that heading into this next round absolutely not so right right yeah so there's a there's a couple accounts on twitter that uh like uh, for lack of a better term, mathematical or, or uh, geometrical models on these controversial calls. Um, and first off, the image that most everybody was sharing was actually the wrong image. Once the ball leaves Latif's foot, it's too late. It's The rules are when he strikes the ball. So when he first makes contact with the ball, where is Rodriguez? And if you look at that frame, it's even closer than it than it initially was, uh, and based on the mathematical models that these guys build, they determined that he was probably I think I think it was an inch and a quarter offside, which yeah. equates to less than a pixel on the screen. Yeah, so um, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, to me though, like if that's if that's done with the you know the regular international FIFA VAR thing, then it's probably getting called back, right? So. You know, it right, is what right. it is. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, but you know, but the, I mean, but yeah, that's on MLS to make to change that, right? You know, like yeah. how many goals? Good luck with that. Many, yeah, more, but even then, you know, it's like you'll have people wax poetic about you know Diego Maradona, but is he really that famous without him cheating to get a goal, right? So, <laughs> you know, like it, it is what it is. You know, like it's it's been a part of the game for as long as we want. You know, as long as you can remember and. You know, like if you're going to go back and relitigate all these different things, you know, you're you're going to, you know, like like in every sport that's introduced replay, you're also going to lose a lot of these moments that have become a part of history, you know, let alone, you know, so, you know, yeah, did it happen? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. There are far more controversial goals that have been awarded in in history. Ask Eltree fans how they feel about Aryan Robin. There you go. (laughs) Oh man, um, yeah. What what else did you see in this game, Josh? That you think we should go over here? Well, I mean, I think the other the other thing was again. I think you really saw Rodriguez come into his own. Um, this is the most comfortable he's looked in. You know, moving and interchanging with Carlos Vela and and Rossi and really making. In fact, I think you know, it was it was starting. You were starting to see glimpses of it in a couple of the games, but. You know, it was always it always seemed like it was like an inch off, or you know, so it would just just wasn't quite, you know, like it just didn't work out for him, you know, in these last couple of matches, right? It was like he hit the post or you know whatever it may be, um, you know. But it, in this game, you know, even though it wasn't, he didn't get on the score sheet. He assist, you know, the goal and is in an again. It's just giving that backline fits with his movement and his ability to be on the ball and those different things that I think. 
going forward, right? He's going to pose a problem, you know, especially knowing that you have Deal coming off the bench as well. You know, I'm not sure that and there's very few teams that are going to be equipped to deal with that that change, you know, that change of pace and, the, and that kind of thing. So I think it gives us an interesting striking option that I'm not sure that any of us thought we had, what, a month ago? Right where it it was look starting to look mm-hmm. really thin on the offensive end, and you're really just relying on you know Carlos Vela being magical to really score goals. But now, you know, if you have those three plus Adio coming off the bench, you know, and and Lee playing as the deep orchestrating midfielder, it, it does provide quite a quite a different look than I think people and other teams had been probably been preparing for. You know, if if yeah. Kay had been there. Yeah, I, I mean, you see it as soon as Dio comes on. It's not that Rodriguez, like you said, was bad. It's just that uh, it's such a different approach to the attack where Rodriguez comes off and now there's so much more respect in the middle, even though that's where Vela had been playing. Uh, perhaps it's because he's sitting so much uh, deeper and and he's able to be kind of man-marked by, Kit, by Kitchen. I guess I should, I should have looked at that on, on my rewatch. But now there's so much space on on the wing for Rossi because now Dio's making those runs, um, and it's kind of like the Christian Ramirez effect, right? Except Dio's going to put away those chances uh, more often than Ramirez would. Where we saw us, oh, LAFC had a lot of success just because Christian Ramirez was uh, playing quote unquote unselfishly and making all those runs that we heard so much about early in the yeah. season. Well, I mean, I think, and I think the contrast between the two styles was actually what gave teams the most amount of fits, right? So for 60 minutes, you're mm-hmm. just chasing people around, right? And then for 30 minutes, you have to deal with a guy who can just put his head down and just bowl through you. Again, I'm, you know, like ask anyone who's run for, you know, try running for an hour and then having to, yeah. you know, to contend with a guy who's, you know, as big as Dio is putting his head down and, 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 you know, and still is able to keep the ball and those types of things, you know, and skillful enough to not lose the ball through that traffic. And so, you know, whereas I think you saw him try to do those same things earlier in the season when he was a starter and it doesn't come off and it almost looks like he's trying too hard because, again, he's dealing with fresh defenders who can stay with him and, you know, who are, are up for it mm-hmm. to start a match versus, again, when when you've had those three other guys to kind of, pound people in the submission for you know the you know the early parts of the game and then all of a sudden now now you come in with you know with his brute force again it's it's asking a lot of defenders to try and to try and deal with that and especially again when you're dealing with four four center backs who again are probably not used to putting in that many them you know putting in the hard yards the way that lfc was making them do Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was Tristan Blackman. We had some questions about him, but again, on the rewatch, I'm just, man, that kid is impressive. Uh, the way he is able to keep his head about him, even with Zlatan and Pavon kind of right in his area, he's able to pass away out of, uh, out of pressure. Uh, honestly looked good at center back looked good at right back, made a couple, uh, good runs into the, into the attacking third. Um, and I mean, that's another one of those weapons, whether we use them as a sub for beta shore uh, or, 
more as a starting right back or even center back. I just trust the kid wherever he is. Yeah, I mean, and you don't lose anything when he comes on, right? You actually probably gain a little bit more on the offense of it. And, um, right. You know, and I right. think Beta does a lot of does a lot in terms of positioning um, that that helps with the solidity because I think that was the one thing, the one criticism that we've had for, about Blackman, you know, throughout is that sometimes he finds himself out of position because he is so aggressive. You know, usually he's able to recover with his speed and some of those things, but again, it doesn't always come off in that, you know, as, as, you know, as well as he, as well as, um, you know, as well as he probably would like. But again, I think that outside of that, I think that's probably the only thing. So early in the game, right, beta is probably, you know, a a good option there, just again, with the hype of the game and all those different types of things that are happening um, to have out there again, to maintain the, maintain the defensive shape, kind of marshal everyone together, all those types of things, Mm -hmm. especially with what you're trying because especially with given the responsibility that everyone had in terms of man marking, um, not man marking, but just bracketing Zlatan and then also, and then likely man marking um, Pavone out on the wing. And so when you have those, when you kind of have those two things to contend with, you know, having a guy that can do that is, is probably, you know, best early on in the game. And then again, you see, you start to see when he comes in and when he come, moves to right back, when Zimmerman comes in again, just now what the effect, of having him at the attacking side does in terms of pulling, pulling teams apart. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I said that one, that Blackman was the one, the one last thing I wanted to talk about, but um, now that, now that you've been talking about him, I kind of want to talk about some of the other guys. LAFC's versatility from a player standpoint is really impressive. Obviously I think the big story there is Latif blessing who started the season off as a winger comes on as a sub against Kansas city in the opener. And I honestly can't remember if he was meant to be a sub as, as an, as a 10 or if it was a winger, but he shows up in the middle and is now one, you know, one of the more important tens in the league, I'd say, even though he's not a goal scorer, right? We've always talked about him being this sort of anti 10, um, but he also play. He can play on the wing. He can play at right back. You have Blackman, who's playing on, as a right back and as a center back. Eddie Segura in this match moves into the midfield after Yakovic comes on, and it's his pass to Dio. We talked about this one as well. Uh, his pass to Dio for that fifth goal is absolutely spectacular. Um, it's a pass hit to him, and he one times it right up the field through the lines. To Dio and Dio all has to, all Dio has to do is one touch around Palenta and now it's a now it's in the back of the net. Um, so you see all these players that are able to move around. Bob can bring in whatever kind of sub he needs because you have pieces that can be moved. Like the you can bring on an extra midfielder and put Latifa right back or whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, I'd love to hear somebody ask Bob about not just Guardiola but if he studies Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa and how much influence he's had on him because that's kind of his thing, right? Having guys that can interchange positions and just wreak havoc on everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if, if the base is supposed to be Guardiola by in, in turn, then you have, you essentially are following down that Bielsa. Right. That's where, I mean, that's where it all comes from, right? Is Mm -hmm. Bielsa. He's the, you know, and, and, and again, and as well as just the way that people have bought into the system and those types of things and the things that you hear about, 
how what you know what the players think about Bob and the training staff. Those are definitely you know things that come from that Bielsa line of thinking. Where you know I think it was one of his players' family said that he would you know cut off his hand you know if it meant to win a game for you know for for the yeah. team. You know, and so right. You know, I think there's a lot to be said in terms of how they've gone about building the team and those types of things. But again, like as well as finding guys who are tactically flexible and can do multiple things, as opposed to again some of the things that you saw from you know Carson, where they tend to be you know kind of one-dimensional players. You know, like a Perry Kitchen is a perfect mm-hmm. example. He's really just a midfield destroyer, but you don't you know can't pass, can't shoot, can't do anything you know do much other than just kind of break up play in the middle of the field. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if Bob ever wheels out an ice chest and sits on it, then we'll know. Then we'll, yeah, then, we'll then we'll know he's watching Bielsa film. <laughs> or send spies to other oh, team man. other teams training. Yeah, right. <laughs> if if we see if we see Vince or Max, you know, in a in a you know, hiding out in a tree somewhere, spying on the other team, then you'll know that we've really gone full Bielsa. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed. Um, all right. Well, anything else or, or should we get on some, we have quite a few questions to get to, and then we did kind of want to preview the, the Seattle match. Yeah. Anything else you want to get to first? No, you know, like I said, I think it's one of those things where we can just savor the moment and what it was. And, and obviously there's things that we can pick to death, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, the, we're moving on and you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. So we are, up against Seattle tomorrow night, as I'm sure you're all aware. We had a weird uh, two-week stretch where we played them twice in 14 days. Um, I think on non... Or no, it was twice in one week. We played them on consecutive Sundays. I'm looking at the schedule yeah. now. With a game against San Jose. They Or Seattle played a game against San Jose in between the two. Um the first one was at the bank. We beat them 4-1. And the second one was in Seattle, and we drew 1-1 to there. Um, and they've been kind of a, oh, an odd team. They're, they're, I think they're the winningest team in this decade in MLS, if I remember correctly. Um, and they've been kind of consistent this year. I think they've gone through a couple of dry spells, but they've mostly been pretty good yeah. and now we're up against them in the conference finals. I mean, they're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs, right. Of MLS. Like, you know, they're, they're a good team. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, it's, you know, from top to bottom, you know, Garth Lagerway is, you know, you notably one of the better GMs in the sport, you know, and they put together, you know, they, they're never, you know, some, you know, like other than the 2014, I think Dempsey team, Right, I think it was the year that they won mm-hmm. won the cup, and they were really like they yeah. looked dominant. Other than that, they're kind of just always hanging around the top of the Western Conference, and will always make a splash. And you know, they'll make it to a cup here and there, those types of things. But you know, you you can expect them to be you know to be in the dance, you know, at to a in, at some stage, right? Whether it's in the what do you call it in in the conference finals or in the cup itself. You know, they're, they're, they're just generally, you know, they're, they're a team that's going to, you know, they have a very distinct, they have a way that they like to play. They have a way they, they go about things. And I think once, you know, in this league, if you have that determined style, things tend to go a lot, you know, tend to go your way. 
as compared to you know some of these things that teams that lack identity lack an identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before last year, they had been to two straight uh, cup finals. Um, again, be- winning one of them, uh, and yeah, it's like you said, they were they're always they're always up there towards the top of the table, especially in the Western Conference. Um, so let's get into some questions, and I wanted to preview that. I wanted to just talk about them a little bit there because I think there are some that have to do with Seattle here. First one is from Sam Lehman at Sam as a lawyer. I'd love any insight you guys have from a medical perspective on what is different about games with a quick turnaround like this one from longer layoffs like Carson last week. I'm going to let you have that because you're the expert. Well, actually, from from everything that we've, you know, obviously there's a typical recovery time and the way that they, the team schedules everything is based on the sports science and recovery and all those different types of things, right? And so the rotation of the rosters and all things is, is based on you know, the available science that says this is the amount of time that it takes to recover from however minutes that you've played. But given given that the you are in a short week, it's most of the players actually like it better because you're not training. Because from what I've heard, Bob's training training sessions are pretty intense. And so most guys were prepared to go play in a game where at, at times of the game, you're going to just stand around and walk and, and you know, you're not really involved in the play. Versus again, when they're in training and some of those different things, you know, they're probably having to go hard for, you know, X amount of time. And so, <clears throat> you know, is the, the generally speaking, it's about two to, you know, you want about, if you play on a Saturday, you're, you're, you're hoping for about two to three days, you know, about three days in between the, the time that you should expect to play the net, you know, be ready to play another full game. Um, you know, you see it in the Premier League and other leagues around the world where you'll play on a Saturday or Sunday, have the next day off, and then the day after that, you're usually going to um, practice, have a day of training, and then you play the next game. And so, you know, there for what, however many years that the sport has been around, you know, people have been playing on short rest. You know, it's it, the, the, the science behind it and the medicine behind it now is just more, we have an understanding more about how those things, you know, about how to manage it. And they more so from a financial standpoint, when you've invested as much money to these players, you know, as, as these teams have. So that's where there's the line of thinking probably changes a little bit, but um, you know, more than anything, it, you really just need about two or three days. And again, most of the players prefer it because again, you don't have, you know, they don't actually have to go through the same amount of training sessions that you normally would in an, in an, in a week where you have a full seven days in between games. Yeah. Yeah. Another interesting point about Seattle here too, is they played on the 19th, 120 minutes against Dallas. That was a hard fought match. And then they four days later had to play Salt Lake. And that was a hard fought match for about 75 minutes. If I remember correctly, and then they got the two breakthrough goals and kind of iced it. Um, and then now they're going to be on six days of rest. So if anything, I would think they'd be more affected. Kind of like you said, I mean, with the long break, I don't think one game is going to be that big of a deal, even on four days rest for LAFC. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing that you're looking at is that's just, the case. Yeah, it's just less recovery time, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. when you had that, you know, the two weeks off, you know, um, between the end of the regular season, or is it two and a half weeks? Um, when you had the really long break, the nice thing is that you have guys that are going to be able to get healthy, you know, so people who are carrying knocks here and there are going to be able to get back and get in, 
you know, get into better, you know, better health, you know, with the exception right. of Mark Anthony Kay, who got hurt on international duty, um, you know, and so, or Miles Robinson, for that matter, for Atlanta, right, doing wind sprints after the game. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, so you have those types of things um, in terms of recovery. But again, I think that's more, more what you're looking at it when it's a short term run is that guys, if you picked up a ankle injury or, a, you know, tweaked your hamstring, you know, not, not a full, you know, like a full strainer than that, but it was bothering you, you know, you're going to probably have less time to recover, you know, for that game again, because the minimum amount of time you want between games is about three days. So again, the, with, I think it's four, right. From, from Thursday until Tuesday. Um, yeah. yeah. It's more than enough time for normal rest. It's just a matter now of, again, you, you would have obviously liked a whole week just so you can get Mark Anthony K back on the field, right? If anything, so that would be the one. Yeah. That would be the one thing from a medical standpoint that I, you know, that we're we're keeping an eye on is whether or not K is going to be available, you know, for for this match or at least to what extent. Given again, it's a couple of days, you know, you're you have a couple of days short of of a full week in between. Yeah, uh, quick thing on that too on the on the short week. Uh, one thing that helps is we're not traveling, right? So you don't lose the the day on each side or day and a half that you would for uh, for travel time. Um, and I don't I don't know if Bob gave that to the to the guys to to rest or if he's going to train or you know what he's going to do. But uh, something you you kind of brought up K's status. One of our um, one of the questions comes from Juan Pablo Hernandez, and he asks. Uh, interested to see who starts this game. Also, what's K's status? I haven't read anything. I went looking for, uh, for information from Vince. I didn't see anything. Have you seen anything or heard anything? Yeah, I think it was um, Alex Dwyer and um, Ryan Wallerson from LFC Season Pass who noted that he had been mm-hmm. training off to the side all of last week. And so I haven't heard anything this week because they haven't put, you know, those those guys are usually at training and, um, and whatnot. And they have, they yeah, haven't yeah. they haven't released an episode that covers it yet, so just to give an update as to whether or not he's been training with the team, um, in full mm-hmm. capacity. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably going to try and go. Likely a game time decision. Um, you know, I think he right as of right now he's he's questionable um, for the match tomorrow. It, again, given the way that Lee's playing, you I would expect Lee to get the start there again. Um, you know, K is a better matchup in 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 this match, but at the same time, obviously, you want you you have to think long term here. Whereas, again, if if you can play at a high level with Lee still, uh, then you're going to want to make sure that you have K available, you know, for the rest of the playoffs and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Right, so Seattle plays at the midfield trio of Ladero, Roldan, and Svensson. Um, Roll Don is a bit of a ball winning eight within MLS, uh, despite what we've, you know, despite what we've said about him at the international level. Uh, he's a serviceable midfielder in MLS. Lodero's their, uh, their number 10. And as far as I can tell, he is the creative spark and the engine of the team when it comes to creating chances, uh, which they've done of which they've created plenty in the past couple of weeks. I think last match they had 20 shots that, the match before that, they had 24 or something like that. So they're definitely uh, generating some offense. Um, 
and I, it has a lot to do with Ladero, from what I understand. Svensson is the guy that I don't know. I know he had the goal in the last match, but I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah, um, he's more what his strengths and weaknesses. He's more are. of your classic six, right? He's a guy that he, he they brought him in to replace Ozzy Alonso, right, at the base of their defense. Mm, you know, okay, yeah. Who he does? He's not the same. He doesn't quite have that bite. He's a little bit more, you know, he's got a little bit more offensive game to him. But you know, again, he's. Alonso is one of the better destroying sixes that the league has, has seen, you know, between him and Diego Chara. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's more his role in, you know, in the, I think, I believe he missed one of the games for, with a hamstring injury um, again earlier in the year. So he's a guy that definitely is probably going to play a more prominent role in, <clears throat> in this match, at least trying to uh, snuff out the LAFC attack. Okay. Okay. Um, well, let's move on. Let's circle back to some of our starters. We have a few more questions about it. I'm going to go to uh, Mike Beats first. Um, he says, people have asked questions about Carlos Vela in big games. What can you say about his performance or what can you say about what his performance will be tomorrow? Get lost. <laughs> it's the only way to, it's the only way to answer those, that, that question. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny the we we talked about using hashtag Berhalter out just a few episodes ago as like our official sign off, and then Bob went and did that. Um, so I guess Berhalter's going to get a break yeah. here, but I mean, <laughs> because that is definitely it from now yeah, on. I mean, it's one of those things where you know when you've scored in Champions League, when you've scored you know in La Liga matches against Barcelona and against Real Madrid. Um, when you've scored in a World Cup, I'm not sure what other big matches that you're supposed to play well in. Um, you know, so. not only not only did he score in that match against Germany, and I mean, of course, it's a penalty, so let me say what you will. But he was the one that who did, who was he man marking all match in that in that game? I can't remember exactly who it was, but he was tasked with man marking one of their players out of existence, uh, and hit. I mean, it's his performance that led to what is arguably the biggest win in the in recent memory for for El Tree, yeah. right? It's got to be. Yeah. yeah, that win against Germany. I mean, cuz again, I mean, usually whenever uh, they start, you know, I'll get through the group and then come against some of the bigger, you know, bigger European teams and falter a little bit. So, yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, what bigger stage than the World Cup against the reigning World Cup champions, and if I remember correctly, that's the one that knocked Germany out of the. No, it was Korea that knocked them out, out of the, officially. Oh, okay, then yeah, yeah. Was it a draw against Korea? Is that what mm-hmm. it was? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could say that's what that's what broke that yeah, team, right? For sure. I mean, it was, um, I think it was definitely so, what pulled it. What it's what pulled the mask off of you know off of a German team that was going through a lot of you know, changes and, and in terms of trying to turn over a generation. Right. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get the question because it's like a tabloidy type thing that, you know, is all that for whatever reason it persists, but the man is produced. And just like Bob said, after this season, is it like, who's asking? Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, so it's, anyway, you know, like I said, at the, in the other one, it, it's, it's really a, a product of a Mexican press that, for whatever reason, you know, again, seems to think that they're going to thrive off their players, 
you know, about talking about how their players are not doing as well as opposed to lifting them up sometimes unnecessarily the way that the U.S. media does with their soccer. Yeah, yeah. A little too much on the U.S. Mm-hmm. side. Um, <laughs> Will Trapp is going to be the savior of the U.S. Or even, team. even Sergio Depp, right? Like, we're happy that he's playing for the team, but, you know, is he... Pumped yeah, that he's we're, playing we're, for. We're all excited. We're happy about it, but is he Andy Robertson? You know, or Marcelo? No. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and again, it's... And, you know, but I guaranteed, you know, none of, you know, Gallardo or one of the, you know, the players from Mexico is never going to get that same level of, of, um, you know, that same level of cheer just for being on the team, let alone producing in a, in a game that matters. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I've, at this point I'm questioning everything the U S yeah, Federation maybe, does. Maybe you're, so you're not wrong about that. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Uh, last question here is from uh, LAFC Benjamin. If Zimmerman is healthy enough to start, do you keep Betashore right back or do you substitute him with Blackman? LAFC has never faced Rui Diaz and Seattle has never faced Dio. Which strike will bring the biggest surprise factor, if any? So, Josh, first up, what does your back four look like for, for tomorrow? tomorrow I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Zimmerman is healthy. So it's probably going to be your trusted and true back line of um, Beta, Zimmerman, Segura, and Jordan Harvey. Um, Seattle does not pose, have the same type of personnel that has given LAFC problems um, throughout the season in terms of having a, you know, a big target striker and like Zlatan or even, you know, uh, Shavelko mm-hmm. from, from Philadelphia. Um, you really are just, you know, I think Rui Diaz yeah. is like five foot four, um, if that. And so him, mm-hmm. he and Joseph Martinez are, you know, are a lot similar, just Joseph's a lot better. And, and Jordan Morris is, you know, in the best form of his life, but again, he's not, he's not a guy who's going to, you know, he's more of a straight line mm-hmm. runner more than anything else. You know, he's fast in a straight line, but he's not quick. And so um, I think that's definitely one of, one of the things that you can probably be a little bit more confident in terms of playing that tried and trusted back line in terms of just continuity. And then again, probably you'll probably see a substitution for one of the fullbacks, you know, in the, in the 60th minute. Um, and then Dio probably coming in at the same time. Um, and with that being said, again, I think we've seen what LAFC has done to limit, you know, strike, you know, strikers that are more, that play more in between the lines. I think having a guy like Segura is going to be, you know, key to stuffing out most of their attacks, um, you know, from, from, from a guy like Rui Diaz versus, uh, you know, cause again, you saw them do something similar to when we were playing against Atlanta, um, at home previously. So again, I'm not nearly as concerned with that matchup. Uh, Seattle on the other hand, you know, still quite hasn't recovered from the loss of Chad Marshall, you know, who was the rock of the defense and probably one of the better defenders that the league has seen. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I do think that they're going to have you know some problems because what you're expecting at that point, it's going to be Roman Torres and Kim Kihi. And Kim Kihi is a good defender, not a great defender. Um, and so, you know, you have Dio running at him with the other two guys as well. You know, Torres, you know, got, got you know, turned into a meme, you know, what, two two games in a row against LAFC, first by Carlos Vela yeah, yeah. Um, getting him and then, and I think Atuesta put him to the ground and then hit that, you know, hit that banger from just outside yep. the, 
you know, just outside the the six yard box or whatever. And so, if I remember yeah. correctly, the assist from Vela to Rossi on our first goal as a club last year was right through Torres, Torres as well. Legs. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so again, so I, it's one of those things where I think Dio is likely to provide more problems for you know for them. Um, you know, then then Rui Diaz well for us, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Again, he's still yeah, a good player. Yeah. You know, he had one of the awesome goals that I've seen with that sombrero flick that he had. But you know, yeah, at the same yeah. time, again, he's he's a guy that I get he because he doesn't because it's not a you can game plan for him because you don't have to contend with him physically as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're off on the back line. Backing up a little bit there. Um, I could easily see Bob. I mean, given the fact that Beta Shore comes off in the 60th minute against Galaxy, I could easily see him getting another 60 um, uh, tomorrow just because, again, there's that trust. I think uh, it's a little bit more conservative in a in a one-off playoff situation to, to be starting Beta Shore. If Zimmerman's healthy, the spots, I'm sure his, um, and they're not going to be worried about easing him in after the concussion. Um, and I think it will be interesting to see if K is available for selection. I think given the fact that he wasn't even in the 18 last match, I, I, man, I really don't know what to expect with them. Um, and maybe, maybe the team's playing it close to the chest for a reason, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Lee Lee win out there tomorrow. Yeah. I think at at best you're probably going to, you, he's, you know, you're going to get him for 30 minutes, right. In terms of Mark Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, it kind of just depends on what the situation calls for. You know, if you're if you're winning handily, then you don't worry about it, right? But if you you know if you need someone to come in and change the dynamic in the midfield, you know, it's a good person to have at at the at the sixty at the hour mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, Dio <laughs> looks so good. He looks so good in those thirty minutes that he got. I hope he's a super sub again. Uh, because I would imagine he's going to have the same the same exact effect, uh, just coming in and taking the taking the game by storm. Uh, at the only MacGyver responded that he would start Blackman and that Beta Shore is too slow for the back line. I don't know if that's necessarily true uh, that he's too slow. Uh, definitely slower than Blackman, um, but I, I don't I just don't see him venturing out as far as Blackman would to make sure that he can recover. Um, and then Tony Castellanos uh, replied that uh, DOV Roman Torres is going to be good. And again, couldn't agree more there. Uh, Josh, anything else you want to preview for tomorrow's match or are you good? No, I think we're good to go. All right. Well, um, where can everybody find you tomorrow in the game? Uh, tomorrow I will just be flying in and, uh, what's it called? You can find me on Twitter, LASD Josh. All right. Follow the show at counterpress underscore email us, uh, the counterpress show at gmail.com. You can find me at Kirk Kinsey. I'll be live tweeting for the, for, for us tomorrow since Josh is going to be in, in, uh, in the air. Um, regrettably. So I, when I, when I left Hawaii, uh, and moved my family to Cleveland, Ohio. I was surprised that anybody actually came with me. So <laughs> I feel your pain, my friend. Um, other than that, uh, we're going to sign off here. So everybody go get lost. Yeah.